Hey guys, Michael here, uh, riding solo today. Unfortunately, uh, Caleb G was not able to join me tonight, uh, work schedules and all. But we wanted to go ahead and get a post catacon episode out. There's so much stuff we want to talk about and so many thank yous that we need to give and we just didn't want to wait any longer. So I gathered together uh, some of the faculty and some of the sponsors that helped put Catacon on, and we're going to do uh, like a recap episode. But before we do that, I want to start out just with the thank yous. So please, please, please listen to all these. I, I know it's going to be so tempting to just fast forward a few times, but all the people I'm going to mention here are the reason why a Catacon happened, or they, they helped facilitate it because they donated their time, their energy, their expertise, and in a lot of cases, just money so that we could put the show on, which was incredible. As you're going to hear in a moment, we all talk about it. I could not have been more pleased with how it went. Uh, yes, Caleb and I put in a lot of hours. Yes, the other faculty members put in a lot of hours, but it was definitely worth it. And I cannot wait to get back and do a Catacon 2016, even though Catacon 2015 almost killed me because uh, I have terrible chest gold. I'm just now getting over. It was it was everything I wanted and more. So I just wanted to thank everybody that helped us put the show on. I want to start with our special guests, James D'Amato and Cat Cool from the One Shot Camping Podcast came down. They played games with us. They ran games for us. They participated in our Celebrity Dread game. Uh, they were all around great people. And I just want them to know how much we appreciate they, they came down and played games with us. Uh, Robert Schwab, he's not an asshole. Uh, he also runs an amazing game of Shadow of the Demon Lord. We had so many people tell us specifically that his games were a highlight of the con for them. Uh, Rich Baker, technically also not an asshole. Uh, good guy, came all the way out from Seattle. He demoed his uh, board game Ultimate Scheme, which I have a lot of fun with. It's going to kickstart soon. I'm not going to try to sell you on it, but it's awesome. He also ran some Primeval Thule games, some D&D &D 5e, and uh, he even sat down with an interview with uh, Jim McClure for Talking Tabletop, which you, you will hear soon. Uh, Sean Carmen, uh, he was only able to come for Saturday, but honestly, we, we told him not, not to even worry about it because he's had some things going on, but he said, no, I'm coming. He drove up early Saturday. He played some games. He gave us some, uh, some books to give away. Uh, it was an amazing time. People loved the games he was in. Uh, so, Sean, thank you so much for coming. John Wick, some of the, our most talked about moments at the con were from John. I will leave it at that. Uh, but John was an awesome guy. I got so much feedback about the games he ran, uh, City of Thieves, and then the Dirty Play or Play Dirty Seminar he ran, which basically was him sitting at a table with like six other people just, just talking with people about running games. It was definitely a great moment for us at the con. DM Mitch and DM Chris from the DM's Block podcast. Those dudes are crazy. All right. They got, they got up at two o'clock in the morning, drove all the way to a catacon. They got there just before eight, played in a game, ran a game, and then drove home. So thank you guys so much for that. But please, next year, schedule better. I don't want to have to worry about you guys being on the road. But uh, people loved your game. So thank you so much for coming and hanging out with us as well. And then AP Klosky, local guy author of the Cold Steel Wardens game. Uh, he came and played games along with his wife, demoed a new board game he's working on. And again, a lot of people told me that that was a great game. They had so much fun playing it. So thank you guys all so much for making a Catacon a thing. Your names on those flyers help draw people to us and help make a Catacon a real thing. I absolutely have to give a shout out to all of the faculty members who volunteered their time and most of them bought tickets. I kind of made them buy tickets too because I wanted to make sure that we funded. Um, so of course, Ryan, Brad, Nick, Travis, Rocky, Michael, and Jared, you guys put in time and effort above and beyond. And I can't thank you enough for your contributions, though you do get to keep the yellow shirt. So I guess we're even. And then all the people in our network, we had a ton of resources of people that are in the RPG Academy network that lend us their, their time and expertise to help us get things accomplished. Obviously, the RPG Gamer Dad podcast, Kevin Smith from Melvin Smith's Geekery. He actually showed up and played some games with us. All the guys at Tribality.com. Uh, Rowett from GamersPlane.com. He also flew in uh, and ran some games and played some games with us. Lucas from City of Brass. He was you know, he's been a longtime supporter of our show, even before he launched his program and before he was part of the network. He's been a, a patron of ours, uh, one of our top tier patrons, and has just been so supportive since we launched. I can't even, uh, I can't express how much his, his support has meant to us. Devin and Christopher from, from the Sharkbone podcast, 
Emily and Cinda from She's a Super Geek. And then, of course, Jim from Talking Tabletop. All those people behind the scenes gave Caleb and I support, expertise, advice, and just, you know, confidence that we could make this happen. And without them, I don't know that it would have happened. I also want to give a shout out to all of our Kickstarter backers. Uh, first of all, we had some corporate sponsors. These are people who donated money or, in some cases, merchandise that helped our event giveaway be so successful. Uh, this includes 1D6 Gaming, Burn Everything Gaming, uh, our friends at Cthulhu and Friends Podcast, EasyRollerDice.com, who donated a ton of merchandise for us to give away, uh, Where Do the Meeples Go Podcast, uh, One Shot Podcast. James and Kat were our guests. They also gave us money. How cool is that? Jim McClure from Talking Tabletop. He's one of the network members. He's an associate professor faculty. He also donated some money to help us put on the show. Pastime Games and Books, which is a local bookstore here not too far from me. They found out about the con. They came up and played games, and they also donated some money to our cause. Uh, U2Can Cthulhu was one of the most talked about events at the con. These guys put on an amazing show. It's like more of a LARP than anything else. I got the privilege to play in one of their games. They gave us money to come and play games with us. Uh, and then Zodiac Empires. Uh, unfortunately, last minute, these guys were not able to attend. They were supposed to be on site to run some games, but they still gave us a donation and uh, helped pay for all the other things that went on at the con. We have some event sponsors, and these are like a lower tier Kickstarter backer, but they still were people who gave us money to help put the show on that you guys enjoyed. 37 Zombies, Total Party Thrill Podcast, a uh, friend of the show, Shane. The Art of War Gaming and Miniatures, which is another local gaming store here in town. They gave us a monetary donation and some uh, prizes to give away. The Redacted Files podcast, uh, who also did an interview with us to help promote a catacomb before it happened. Battle Bards, who've been big supporters of us for a long time. And, and uh, all of our backers are going to get some of their Battle Bards music. We're still working out how that's going to happen, but it's going to happen soon. Uh, the Saving Throw Show podcast and web series. She's a Super Geek Podcast. So before Emily and Cinda were part of the network, they donated some money to our cause. Blackfall Press, which is the publisher that prints the Cold Steel Wardens game that A.P. Klosky is part of. Rational Bias Media. This is the company that put together um, Post Replica, which is a game we featured on a trial a while back. At Geek2. Uh, this is uh, one of our listeners in Canada who sent us some dice bags and a very cool Crochet Cthulhu doll that was given to the only under 14-year-old guest that came to a catacon. It was so awesome. I was so happy that she won that. Uh, the Play on Target podcast, Tabletop Terrors, a podcast and uh, YouTube series. They did an interview with us beforehand to help promote a catacon. And they also are supplying a free PDF module adventure that they created for catacon. And we actually ran it at a catacon. From what I understand, I wasn't part of that game, but it went over very well. So thank you guys very much for that, uh, for helping us out. Gamer's Table RPG Podcast, Melvin Smith's Geekery. Again, he's part of the network. He came and hung out. He still gave us a donation. Uh, Going Last Gaming Podcast, one of my absolute favorite podcasts. I don't know why more people don't listen to them, so please listen to them because they're awesome. Thank you guys. Kenna and Richard, thank you so much for supporting us. And then Goat Scrote Dice Bags. This was like our last minute swooping sponsors who came in and just gave us a whole bunch of stuff to give away, make some awesome, awesome dice bags. Thank you so much for that. I also want to give a shout out to Liz and the team at uh, Lone Wolf Development for donating some uh, Realm Works licenses and Hero Lab licenses. And uh, again, City of Brass, uh, Lucas gave away some licenses to uh, his program, City of Brass. Uh, Mike Olson, who was the uh, lead designer of the Atomic Robo RPG, he gave us a signed copy Atomic Robo RPG to give away. Uh, Sean Carmen, who I've already mentioned, he gave us a signed copy of one of his books. Uh, John Wick gave us signed copies of a couple of his books to give away as well. And then um, Cave Girl Productions, they uh, gave us a Blu-ray copy of the movie of Dyson Men. Uh, A.P. Klosky, who I've already mentioned, he gave us a signed copy of Cold Steel Wardens to give away. And then just quickly, I'll go through all the list of our Friends of the Show donation. So these are people who didn't buy a badge but they still wanted to donate to our cause. Clay, Chris, Ghost13, Jason Bauer, Jeremy Van Schallewick, Josh Arnston, James B. Ham, Emmanuel Simon, Kevin Cyril, Michael Beck, Cameron Kyle, Valerie Payne, Brick and Brack Games, Daniel Farrell, Sherry Payne, Monty Cook Games, Palm 1998, Matt King, Brian Cooksey, Emily Hope Morgan, Josh Howell, Eric Osley, Gwen Walker, Javier Panzalua, 
I'm sure that's not even close. Randy Aiken, Adam Bash of the I Am Sayer podcast, Clancy, Chris Anderson, and again, Shane from the Total Party Thrill podcast. All these guys and girls and ladies and people and gentlemen gave us a donation to help a catacomb happen. And then lastly, a big shout out to my Dark Hearts crew, Scott, Jason, Melissa, and the adopted Shane. They actually donated probably half or more of what turned into the mega D&D 5e prize pack. And that is completely awesome of you guys. It was a huge prize that, like, I'd say 50% of all the tickets from our, our door prizes went into that. So it was a very sought-after gift. And thank you so much for sending that uh, to us so that we could do that. So this was already longer than I thought it would be, but I wanted to give time to all these people because truly a catacomb would not have happened without their support. And, of course, without all the people who actually came out and played games. So hopefully you haven't bypassed all this. And you will now listen to... Uh, a whole table full of people tell you how awesome a catacomb was so that maybe you'll come next year. So thank you. And now on to the show. Hello, and welcome to a special edition of the RPG Academy podcast. This is the post catacomb extravapalooza where I've brought together some of the people who helped make a catacomb happen. And we're going to take a few minutes and talk about how it went, uh, what we like, some, some favorite memories, and then maybe some lessons learned. Uh, so with me tonight, I have... Uh, Jim McClure, Talking Tabletop, uh, a, a Catacon attendee, um, and big fan of the convention. And we also have... Emily, uh, same, big fan and Catacon attendee. Yoo-hoo. Talking Tabletop, Hero's Journey, oh, you yeah. can, like, credit Talking yourself. Ta- all right, Hero's Journey. All right, and we have... Hey, everybody, Brad Nipper, um, GM at a Catacon at Force and Destiny, Twitter. This is Travis, at Not Our Travis, I am one of the faculty members. Ryan, or Teleport on Twitter, also one of the faculty members. And, of course, myself, Michael. Uh, Caleb, as you guys who listen to the podcast regularly know, he doesn't live in the same area that I live. Uh, And since we are kind of doing this in real life, he wants me to express his thanks and well wishes to all of our supporters and various people who helped make a catacomb happen for him since he can't be here. So we don't have a whole lot of structure planned. So I just want to talk about... A catacomb. It was awesome, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. I had a so, blast. You know, absolutely there were some lessons learned, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But I want to start with all the positives. So if you guys don't mind, go around the room and and somewhat quickly, I'm looking at Jim for this, uh, mm, fair. share uh, share one of your favorite moments from a catacomb. Oh, what, you're going to start with me? I'm but you start want, with But you, you want quickly. Uh, those things don't go together well, but I'll, I'll try. Um Favorite moments. Uh, it, it was kind of an odd weekend for me because I got to try out a whole bunch of different things. I ran essentially three systems that I developed that I've never shared to the public before, which was an incredibly nerve-wracking experience. But I'm going to go with the wrestling game. I ran a WWE-style wrestling game on Saturday morning at an 8 o'clock start time, which we'll get to. I know that comes later. Yeah, in, yeah. In, in, you're in the you're show. already looking at me with the yeah. eye. We're, I see we're that. in positive still. But yeah. uh, we, we, we had, uh, I think it was seven or eight people, um, some people in this very room. Seven. Seven. Mm-hmm. Um as, uh, that's right, because our brackets wouldn't work exactly. Right, right. Uh, but yeah, we had seven people that ran. It was a WWE style game. I kind of went into it going, you know, this isn't a game that I'm trying to develop for anything. I'm like, I think there's a very, very narrow audience because it's a, a role, uh, wrestling role playing game where it's not a role playing game. It's we are going to actively do move by move a match. And I don't think anyone really cares to play that. And then I had seven awesome people show up and it was. Four hours of just phenomenal gameplay and hysterical laughter and ridiculous over-the-top betrayals, and it was that 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 morning was a hell of a lot of fun for me. Awesome, well, thank you for sharing, Emily. What about you? What was one of your favorite moments? From I'm on uh, the actual reverse side of I got to actually play a couple of games that these people have created and made and, and were test playing there at a catacon. Um, so it was really fun to get to experience um, these these brand new things that people were sharing with us, and they were kind of like you know laying their soul on the table of like this is my product this is my baby i created this you know please be gentle but not really and like so um that was really fun we i test played um that cyberpunk game which of course and i forgot his business card with um, me axion punk? yes axion punk thank you um so yeah we got to demo that uh, cyberpunk game and that was definitely a blast it was right up my alley it was right in my world and the um mechanics worked uh with the um I played with a group of four people who only one I had actually ever met before, but it was only once brief, didn't get to talk. So we uh, just banded together and had a blast and created, started creating in canon things. And, and the best part was actually watching the face of the GM and the creator like light up at the, at his game being played this way. And we're like, 
you know, making these characters and making, you know, in candid like franchises. And he just was like, this is so awesome. Like that was the best part to watch him, you know, be so proud of something that he made. Oh, fantastic. I think Colin, that's the GM's yes, name. Right? Yes, Colin. Colin Kyle, right? Yeah. Because yeah. I said you had two first names and I'll always call you Kyle, Kyle Colin. So. All, right. All right, Brad, what about yourself? Um, well, for me, it was pretty much a, a, a tie of two moments that I think were, were really my favorite. Uh, I was one of the players in um, Jim's wrestling game, and that was a blast. But also equally as fun, well, I played in John Wick's City of Thieves game, and, and that was probably one of the best games I've ever played in, especially the best con game I've ever played. It was a really small group of us. Uh, it was a, his uh, City of Thieves system, which is not it'll be released i guess in his uh his next wicked words i think is is when it's it's coming out but um it it was a great time all right what about you travis i would say my favorite thing was probably just the first impressions of the con as soon as i walked in i got there a little bit later but I, just to be able to see all the people that showed up which was an amazing thing and the fact that i think it was just run a lot better than i was kind of expecting i was a little worried to be honest but it turned out amazing. You weren't the only one. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, my first game I even played in was a game of Fiasco, and I got to play with Scott, who else is on the podcast. And just kind of that first game of Fiasco really just resonated well with me because the talent at the table was just so amazing. We're all role-playing, having laughs, and having a good time. And everything was just smooth, and, I mean, we just had a great experience, so... Like I said, right off the bat, I was just really invested, and I had a great time. All right. What about you, Ryan? I am with Travis on everybody's enthusiasm and positivity uh, of a catacon. But uh, my two uh, the two things that jump out at me equally because they're from different points of view was uh, the first one, I ran a, um, a, a D&D, D&D dinos, essentially, um, that one of the story arcs we playtested here for the Academy that hasn't been released yet, and... Uh, you guys liked it, but I ran a different um, a different campaign for uh, a group there, uh, and they really liked it. So I knew you guys weren't just blowing smoke. Uh, so that made me feel good as far as the GM-wise. But uh, the I think the thing I'm going to take out of it is the special guests that we had were awesome in that they made time for every single person there. And no matter how big the names are, you know, you've been doing this for 20 years and you recognize the, some of the people that we had. And my interactions specifically with uh, Rich Baker and uh, Robert Schwab just will – the fact that I was able to sit down at a table, one, play their game, and then two, have a, a meaningful discussion for 30 minutes or so afterwards. Just about anything – I mean, nothing in particular, just gaming and, and whatever was – you know, we were spitting out the topic-wise. The fact that these people were so accessible and uh, and open and happy to be there was phenomenal and couldn't thank people like that enough. I completely agree. And, you know, we will certainly give them as much thanks as we can possibly give them. But we were very fortunate. We so many various pieces and parts came together to make a catacon work. And, you know, I'll I'll cop out a little bit when I got really sick and I'm actually still sick, as you might be able to tell um, during a catacon. So I kind of got, you know, in the funk from uh, from not feeling well. But my my favorite moment was just sitting there on that little setup area. And watching all these people playing games at this thing that I helped create. And, you know, I've talked about that before about why I do this and why I enjoy it. And it hit so many buttons for me to have just a room full of people having such a good time knowing that I helped facilitate that that happened. And, um, you know, overwhelmingly positive feedback. We had, we had a few things that people suggested to make it better. We'll touch on those here in a little bit. Some things that we, we realized ourselves already that we can do to make it better. But overwhelmingly, it was positive feedback. People told me that it was the first con they'd ever gone to and that they were, you know, they had so much fun. I had people tell me it was the best con. I'm not, not lying. Some people told me this was the best convention I've ever been to. People told me they had more fun at our convention than like at, at a larger con, like even Gen Con. But I think that's because we provided something a little bit different, which is what we wanted to provide. We wanted to pro provide a more intimate, role-playing focused event. Like, it was just role-playing games. And we had some board games as well, but I'd say like 80 to 90% was role-playing. And then again, like Ryan was touching on, we had all these special guests. People got to play games with Rich Baker and Rob Schwab and Sean Carmen and John Wick and James and Kat from the podcast and Dean mentioned and Chris from their podcast. So everything just came together. But as far as a game, what I, what I will say is my favorite game is I got to play Dread 
um, Caleb ran it, and it was Rich Baker, James D'Amato. Uh, so Cat Cool and myself, we all got to play together, and it was so much fun. I'm actually disappointed, one, that we didn't think to record it, because it was hilarious. I got to watch about half of it, and it was... I don't know uh, the, why the, there weren't more people in there. I, I yeah, feel bad I don't, that we I don't know either, audience. because just to see those people play, I mean, it was kind of, you guys were letting yourself be on display, uh, and for the, the half of it, I was there before I had to, to jet out, because it was getting late. Uh, it, was, uh, it was hilarious. I loved it. Yeah, I'll give Caleb a ton of credit. I know he did most of it on the fly, but he divided it up in a very interesting way, where he got Rich and James were basically one, one group, and they played off each other so well. Rich was the consummate straight man, where James got to be James. And then Kat and I got paired up, and I played a character of myself, a character, if you will. And I just had so much fun playing off of each other. So that was an amazing experience and a weekend full of amazing experiences. All right, so we'll start over. So what are some, not necessarily negative things, but what are some things that we think we can improve upon? The first thing is, I think for next year, we got to get you like a throne to sit up there because you were sitting on, <laughs> on, on like your little stand and I was like, well, he's he's the, the, the king of this little world here. How is he not? We, we, we got to get him a throne. At least a chair, man. Come yeah. on. <laughs> okay. Chair, throne. I'm, I'm with you on that one. <laughs> um, no, I, I mean, I, I think, uh, and I, I've, I've, Michael, I've said this to you off the mics, you know, this, um, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of the location, you know, that. I have bad news for you. <laughs> I know you do, but we're going to, by trying popular demand, try and make it. Maybe there's just a catacomb north. I don't know what the, what, what the deal is. But that location has such a unique feel to it of, yeah, it's out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, you have to drive 15 minutes if you want to get food that's not from the restaurant. But when you arrive there, it's like... I am here. All distractions are gone. I'm here to game. And all distractions are gone because none of y'all's phones works, I guarantee it. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. and, and it actually, and, I, and, and to, to, to go along with your point there, Jim, I think it, it lended itself probably to a good majority of the role-playing that was done. Mm-hmm. I mean, being that fantasies is, you know, a big portion of, of, big portion of role-playing, just the, the feeling of being there kind of in a secluded in you could call it castle at times because of the vultures uh you know i mean it, it lent itself to that feel and i think it helped get people kind of in the mood it, it did i mean i, I would remember because i i didn't stay on location i was close enough that I, I drove home but in the mornings you know i would arrive sometimes early early in the mornings um we'll get to that but you know and, and i would see the those that big entrance way and i would walk into it and suddenly it was i'm in a world of tabletop I just walk through into a different area that you don't have. I mean, you step into Gen Con, it kind of feels like you step into a different world, but that's because there's 60,000 people and it's, you know, it's, oh, wow, the entire real world stopped to make gaming happen. This was the real world no longer exists and we are in our little secluded world that is a catacomb. And I really, really like that. So if we would go, you know, our, our moment of improvement as opposed to us can just continually complimenting this through th- thinly veiled uh, <laughs> excuse to give more things that we like. Yeah, 8 o'clock games never happen again, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I do want to touch on that just because – on the location because – just because it makes sense. Uh, we loved the location. Yeah, I'm going to disagree though. Okay. Well, hold on. Let me, <laughs> let me say – you, 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 You're but wrong. I think no. from, from the, from the ambiance, it was amazing and a lot – we did get a lot of feedback that it was a very good location. Our, our issue is that it's not big enough. And this year, we, we ended up about 130 people total, everybody signing in, including the faculty and staff that, that helped put it on. And I think on Saturday in the afternoon, which is when we had the majority of people there, we might have had two or three tables that weren't in use. So realistically, we couldn't have had more than like 18 more people. The Lodge does have additional space that we did not rent. I have already talked to them about renting that space as well, which is something we can do. Even if we do that, we can only add 18 tables. So now you're looking at 70 people. So we could potentially, and we are considering doing it again there next year, but eventually we want this to grow to a certain level. Like we, we don't ever expect to get anything like Gen Con. I mean, that, it's even ridiculous to say that, but I wouldn't mind getting to the point where we have maybe a thousand people. There's no way we can get more than like 300 at that location. So maybe next year, but long-term, it's just not viable for us to do that. And so that's why we're looking at other places right now. I, I can... I can understand that, but I don't really appreciate your logistics getting in the way of my fun. Um, so if we could just deny reality and just do what's best for me personally, I would appreciate well, it. Well, you know, and th- there, is a, there is a point where, where I've had this thought that, you know, a catacon at this point is becoming a business. You know, Caleb and I have entered into a business. We, we actually own a business together. We've, we've LLC'd RPG Academy. I have found very quickly that running a con is not the same as going to a con. 
So it is entirely possible that we might start doing like a faculty-only weekend retreat at the lodge just for us to actually play games. That would be a fun, everybody throw in 30 bucks. We rent out one of the rooms and, you know, call it a day. But for a catacomb specifically, it's not a long-term viable solution. And no, 8 o'clock games are stupid, and I hate myself. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to totally disagree with everything you said. That place is haunted. (laughs) All right? I mean, if you're running like a horror con in there, that's fine. But all I know is that I drive out to the middle of nowhere, roll up to this Stephen King-looking thing where I'm going to write a novel and, like, die. All the buzzards that were there were looking down at me, this, you know, skinny white chick with all these, you know, big dudes around me going, she's first. She's going to die first. But no, actually, it was really cool. Um, I did actually like the location. It was a little bit far. So honestly, my my only um, thing was food was a little hard to get because the restaurant didn't stay open. Yeah. Um, and again, and that's one of the things we talked about, I, you know, my yeah. first year ever running a con. Yeah. I didn't even think to think about that. Oh, yeah. Like compare the this game schedule to the restaurant schedule. They're like, they have a restaurant on site. Clearly it's going to be open when we need it to be open. Uh, no. no. <laughs> so yeah, that was the only thing, the the conflicting schedules of the, the getting food as fast as you can because the next game is going to start in the hour. Um, the only thing was I, I felt bad because there were so many games that I wanted to play and there just was not enough time. And I'm thinking maybe if we staggered some, some times, um, that would have been better because it felt like you know, for an hour, or everything started at like this this time. <clears throat> for four hours, it ran. One hour of break time to go get food, hopefully, and then be back for that next big block of time. Um, so I thought maybe staggering some stuff would be good, so you could just constantly always have running games right. going on. And then if people needed to go away and get food, but yeah, no, the location the location was really cool. It, it did feel very surreal, like you were stepping into this this weird haunted as hell um reality <laughs> totally haunted totally haunted totes um especially like the, the did you get did you guys see the murals like the yeah. creepy ass murals that were <laughs> that, everywhere. their eyes were always following oh you yeah i'm pretty sure like people were behind there like yes. watching me and then like little thing you know total scooby-doo moment total scooby-doo yeah I, I completely agree with the staggered events and yeah. that is something that we wanted to do this year but um again the size was an issue is that we were afraid that we might overbook a table mm-hmm. so if we want to start something at eight something at nine something at ten something at eleven Around 11, we have to make sure there's still a table available, and if people start doing pickup games on those tables. So that was the biggest factor that it just, we were afraid of overbooking. So as it, we get a bigger venue. That's what I say. It plays right into your, yeah, Yeah, we can venue. just say, okay, you can yeah. you can tell me what time you want the game to start. Because this game, you had to start it at 8, or you had to start at yep. 1, or you had to start at 5. In okay. a bigger venue, we can say, when do you want the game to start? And then hopefully we will get a staggered. Yeah, because that was another thing. Is like, schedule. also, I didn't, I technically didn't sign up for any games because by that time, a lot of it was was closed. So I penciled my name into a lot of them. Um, but as I was doing that, I was like, oh, and I want to see that. Oh, I want to see. Ah, oh. and they were a lot of them were running at the exact same time, so it was harder because I was, I literally wanted to be in like eight places at once. Yeah, to... and and again, I will I will give Caleb and myself a little bit of credit. That was done intentionally because we did offer the VIP tickets with a, a little bit extra cost, but you could register first. I didn't want it set up where the VIPs, even though I, they did pay extra, I didn't want them to be able to get into everything cool, yeah. and then there'd be nothing left over for yeah. all these special guests. So we intentionally made some hard choices. Oh, yeah. That if you wanted to play with Rob, you couldn't necessarily play with James, yeah. couldn't necessarily play with Sean, so. No, no, that was that was smart. It was just, it was it was a good thing. It's a good thing to have of where, oh my gosh, there's so many things I want to do, and there's just not enough time. This needs right. to be like eight days long. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and again, that's one of the things we're talking about is do we start on... Thursday, yeah, make for it a sure. Four day, oh, yeah. Know. But anyway, yeah, I, I would definitely agree. There was so much to do that it just wasn't possible to do anything. Um, I really wanted to get into a uh, one of the Ukan Cthulhu um, games, but unfortunately, it just didn't work out. As far as things that we could do to improve, um, I know we had talked about too. We we probably we 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 didn't leave anybody out front as a as a uh, is a check-in table and and people just kind of wandered into the um ballroom there and and faculty members would say oh hey there's somebody there i gotta stop what i'm doing and go so maybe next time we'll actually have a, a registration table that would probably help right. that's one of those things where it makes so much sense like yeah obviously we needed one of those but i also think because the venue was so small we just sort of all assumed that we would see everybody or that you could easily find the building or the room so just again chalk it up to the first time ever doing mm-hmm. this signage and a registration table will definitely be top of the list for things we are changing. What about you, Travis? Anything uh, uh, do feel, difference, do betters? I, I feel like uh, pretty much all the main points have been covered at this point. Like, I really don't have much else to offer other than the fact, like, I don't know if this game happened and I missed it or if it didn't happen at all, but I really wanted to be a part of a uh, Midnight Dread game by the fire. So, uh, 
November in uh, Southeast Ohio, uh, it's really freaking cold. <laughs> but see, you're talking to the guy that actually camped out that yes. weekend. I was like the only person that actually stayed out in a tent during the con. Uh, so I was still totally cool for yeah, no, We a, played that game. It just was inside. Yeah, I by, really, by a fake fire by that fake was on fire. the phone. <laughs> but I really wanted like the ambiance of the of nature and the darkness and being out there by the crackling fire. We did too. And you know, maybe with global warming, perhaps <laughs> yeah. next year or in the future, we can do that. Is this an advertisement to buy like a big SUV or Hummer or something? I've got my car running outside this whole time. You all <laughs> yeah. don't? Next year's, next year's stretch goal. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that's what, and that's what you're talking Global about, too. Global warming is a stretch goal. <laughs> no, okay. I was the, the SUV or the, yeah. was more of a stretch goal, but if we can make global warming a stretch goal. <laughs> um, what, what made you guys pick November? couple reasons. One is I wanted it to be about six months away from Gen Con uh, because I wanted to space out my yes. con experience. And uh, we found that there wasn't a lot of competition regionally against us so we wanted to maximize our potential audience because like when he when he said it was november um you know these dates i was just like oh man if it was if it was like two weeks early in october it would have been beautiful it would have been gorgeous we could have camped out and like all that but that makes that makes total sense now all right what about you Ryan? what are some things we can do different next year um uh, maybe a different weekend just because it falls on my son's birthday so <laughs> per, on a personal note that's kind of rough for me uh but no this is, this Move is your all entire just, con. yeah this is no airing individual one. grievances <laughs> at, at michael's what no that's we we made that work so um no that's uh completely personal and, and uh no the one and i think we actually mentioned this at i think probably with some point during the con I think it would be helpful to have some kind of like electronic schedule or just as a, a, a scrolling kind of message board as people take pictures or they tweet about it or whatever, anything a catacomb that could possibly post up there for people to see so they feel kind of interactive and, and part of it. Uh, my wife, who's in IT, that was kind of her idea. We had a projector set up. She's like, you should just get your Twitter feed up there so as people tweet things, it just constantly shows. Yeah. Uh, we just had some technical issues making that happen, but that's something we would like to do. Yeah, I mean, that. the only other thing that I could that I think that would benefit from is to have somebody, and not necessarily you because I know you're busy and answering questions and things, but if uh, to, to go along with Brad's point, more of like an MC or somebody that's up on a microphone kind of directing people. We, we had a suggestion that came up kind of late. We actually had even thought about doing it. It's just a matter of time is uh, at like Gen Con, when you're in the board game room, they have a series of colored flags that you can put on your table, one for, you know, I need help with rules or I'm looking for a player. Mm -hmm. And so someone suggested that as well. We could just have like a colored flag on the table that says, you know, needing players. Mm -hmm. So you could just easily quickly see, okay, they need table or need players walk over. What are you playing? You could sit down or not. Well, for me, for, again, we've already talked about all the different things that we could change. The number one thing for me that we haven't already talked about is I should not have ran a game in slot number one. <laughs> that was a poor choice on my part uh, because, again, there was just so much happening that there were questions. There were people, you know, and you guys, faculty, were helping me out, and you were trying to take care of questions. But several times in the middle of my game, someone came up and said, do you know where this is or you know what's going on? So I had to interrupt my game several times, and mm. my players were fine with it. But it was just a very poor choice on my part to play in a game or run a game in the first slot because I should have known that would be the most questions would be early. Uh, I also got horse immediately, which I think fed into the, my cold and bronchitis and plague, whatever else I had. So the question I have, again, th this isn't necessarily scripted or anything. Uh, my concern is we provided a very cool experience. I'll just go on the record. We, it was an awesome experience all the way around the board. Mm -hmm. We want it to grow, but we don't want to lose that feeling that we had this first time that it was just a bunch of friends playing games all weekend. So how do we grow this to something that is, you know, regionally viable as a business model that Caleb and I can do this without losing that aspect. So let's say we are successful and we keep getting bigger and bigger. Great. But when does it stop becoming a catacomb? So I, again, this is just like open discussion. Do you have any thoughts on how we can grow without losing what we're trying to accomplish at the same time? But let's say we get to 2000 people and we have a vendor hall. Is that still a catacomb or is it now something else? I, th I think it would be, um, like I said, if you if you went back to, like, doing a four-day con, like Thursday, just having Thursday become a meet and greet. Like, instead of, you know, before we start gaming, you know, if you've got 2,000 people, everybody can come and actually meet everybody and know people and know what you do and, like, you know, meet everyone before you start sitting down and playing games with them. Because that was the thing is, like, I sat down with a lot of people that I kind of knew but it wasn't until later where Jim's like, oh, yeah, he's that guy from this podcast. And, you know, you've heard him here and stuff like that. So I thought, um, you know, maybe like a, a meet and greet before then getting badges, all that stuff, getting checked in, 
you know, getting the rules down, getting, you know, the schedule already. Um, but just having just general people just talk to each other and say, oh, I'm hi, I'm this, you know, this person, I did this. So that way it wouldn't be, I'm sitting down to your game. I've never met you before. Hi. And then fi- actually we, we come to find out, oh, yeah, you were in uh, that game. I I kind of know you. Right. So I think that would kind of keep your, what you're talking about, like getting bigger as well as keeping community maybe. Again, it's not an easy answer. Like I, no, wish, I, I wish I had it um, <laughs> yeah. because that that's, I think that's what we are offered. And I think we delivered on that, that this was like playing with your friends. Mm-hmm. They're just new friends. Yes. But again, they were all connected. We just didn't know how yet. Exactly. Most of us, you know, this group was on Twitter. This person listened to that other podcast. You know, so there was definitely a sense of community when we started. Um, but and again, I think we were super lucky because it was pretty small. But I don't think we had really any... name tags. You need name tags. Bigger. You need, we're going to bigger name tags. We're going to redesign. Yeah, that's actually one of the things on my list. We're going to redesign those. Name's going to be twice or three times as yep. big. Yep, yep, really big. I am with this, At and least I three times as three big. Times At least three big. times. What are as these? Big. What are these I'm, name tags for ants? A mag- yes. magna- yeah, magnification. There's three. a lot of times where I don't even think I bothered to look because I knew I was going to see him without, you know, being that guy that's staring at someone's chest. Uh, and we, and, you know, uh, we tried to avoid that, but we failed. Yeah. That was definitely something we can prove yeah. upon. But I don't think we had any bad GMs. Like oh, no, no one. I don't even like bad at running games, but like just rude or you know like a rule stickler. Like no, this is how this game played. You know, maybe Jim a little bit. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. But it seems like people were there just to have fun, yeah. and I'm concerned that as we get bigger, you're probably going to get some people yeah. like that. Well, well I think well, you're going to have. You might have to set a limit as to how big you want to get, because then you cr- you eventually many... get in that line of of you know too big, and then you start losing control of things, and you you're going to just by sheer numbers probably get some of those people that aren't good GMs or that are too rude or. Something like that. I, yeah, so. it's in, I have reasonable, at least I think the reasonable expectations for how big we'll get and how quickly we will get there. And yeah, I want it, it to be to something f- that grows over time. Find that sweet spot right. of, of what's best. But, and, right, but, but then you can get too big and then only, only you know, put up for bid 2,000 spots. So you've got all these people trying to like, we need to get in, we need to get in. Well, <laughs> in all seriousness, we, Caleb and I had that conversation about do we keep it small and just make it like an exclusive thing? You know, people did things at a catacon. You will not be able to do it any other con. Yeah. With the access you had to our special guest. Now, with that, we had some special guests who helped us out. I can't guarantee every year we're going to have those people or we're going to have equivalent level industry insiders and podcasters. I hope that we will continue positive relationships, but I can't guarantee that right now. But we did have the conversation about do we keep it at 250 people and just make the tickets really expensive? But that doesn't really fit like we're trying to do either. I don't know. I'm sorry, Brad. You had something. Yeah, I think uh, I kind of had like three related points, and they're they're more about the the feel of a catacomb. One was related to the room. For me, it was really cool that everybody was in the same room. And it was this nice kind of cozy room where, you know, yeah, okay, it was kind of loud in there, but everyone was together. And you had all of your, ho- you, you know, you had the attached uh, hotel rooms and then the cabins just down the road. It was all very kind of self-contained about the guests. Since it was so small, you know, that... The smallness, the camaraderie, I think, really helped make it, too, especially with the guests that are, you could talk to them. There, there wasn't like, you know, hey, this is your yeah, at Gen Con where here's your 45 you know, bucks I'd like to get assigned. You know, sign my book, please, kind of a thing, because there were so many people there that you might have elsewhere. Um, it was just it was, it was just very friendly. And um, I think if we were to move to go elsewhere to, to grow, we'd have to try to find some way to maintain that that feel. Whether if it's at a hotel with like a co- attached conference center or, you know, I think anywhere that's like maybe not a giant metal structure might work. Gymnasium. Yeah. Gym. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. again, in fairness, we found a location that cost wise and size wise fits very well with what we want to do. But aesthetically, it's a big giant building with a concrete floor. And going from the lodge to that, I think, would be almost like culture shock. Yeah. So I've now backed away from using that venue, and I'm looking for another one. Uh, my preference would be find another hotel that's just got a bigger you know, convention, convention center, center within it yeah. so that we can all be in the same place. I do like kind of like the one room aspect just because um, one of my big things with, with Gen Con is I had no idea what I was missing mm-hmm. because there was so much things going on, all these little different tiny rooms that I had no idea. And it wasn't until like the end that I kind of got a hold on how things ran and worked. And if I didn't spend, you know, my three full days in the, the vendor's hall. Um, 
But yeah, I kind of like the idea of just one big giant room and that way you can see everything that's going on and, you know, maybe maybe a couple of little rooms for like private meetings and private games right. and mm-hmm. stuff. But I did kind of like the idea of, you know, I was seeing everything that was going on. I knew where everything was. It was like I'm seeing the totality of everything. The, you hear when one table gets excited and, every, yeah, and starts screaming and yeah. everybody looks over. We, and, we have two venues we're looking at right now that are both hotels that both have very large Basically, it would be that it would have one giant room that's two or three times bigger than what we had, mm-hmm. and then would also have two or three smaller rooms that you could have like the I VIP event. Perfect. the The issue is cost. Yep. Uh, again, we got so ridiculously lucky with the lodge. Like I can't explain how lucky we got, and I've I've budgeted what I think we're going to get next year from revenue and how much we can afford to spend on the venue. And I'm I'm literally six times what we spent this year is what I'm budgeting for next year, and I'm still not sure that's going to cover it. The, the place I would, you know, when I first started this, the idea was to go to the Sharonville Convention Center. Close to my house. It's huge. I mean, we could have thousands, could and, there. <laughs> thousands and thousands and thousands of people show up, and it's big enough to scale with us. They quoted me a price of $9,000 for the weekend. All said and done with the Catacon, we, we didn't get close to that. Yeah. Well, close. We, we got more than around $7,000, but we had to put most of that into the con. Yeah. So if we, you know, to get to the point where we have enough money to pay for a $9,000 venue, we're going to have to raise $20,000, which Girl is Scout a, cookies. a lot more we people. got it. A lot of Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> a lot of Girl Scout cookies. Girl that we have to steal yes, and sell we them steal. for well, profit. Yes, we steal <laughs> first. Yeah. Well, I mean, come on. It's beating up just a little, bunch of little girls. How hard can it be, right? <laughs> The let me can I can I jump in of with course. my with my couple things on here? Um, you know, when we when we look at it from what is a catacon and what made a catacon special and different than the other events, because that's what you're trying to keep. I mean, yeah. when when you, you get down to it, it's how do we keep the catacon feel? Because I believe every single person that attended a catacon knows it did not feel like a normal convention. It felt different. It had its own unique feel to it. It's what you're saying. It's it's how do we keep a catacon a catacon and not just a gaming convention? Right. That's very important to my to me and to Caleb. So when we we look at the couple unique things, um, the first and foremost, which should be I believe kept first and foremost, this was a RPG convention. Most gaming conventions have, you know, board games, they have video game halls, they have card game halls, and not to say that there's anything wrong with any of those, but the RPG community is a certain community. You know, when I, I you know, I, I love trading card games to death. I've played Magic, I've played Yu-Gi-Oh, I've played Pokemon, I've played Digimon, I've played, you know. You, L5R. Uh, L5R. Um, <laughs> the, you know, there's if, if there's a card game in the world, I've played it. But those bring a more competitive environment and a more competitive type of person. It's maybe call me a general generalizer. I don't know. But from my experience, it no. does. A room full of role players are all there to have a fun experience. And everyone walking in that door is going, I want to have a good time. How can I make the time good? And I think that's one of the key ingredients is keeping it a, not to say we can't have a board game section, that you can't have a card game section, but this is a RPG con. That's what this con is. Yeah, there's a board game table. Yeah, there's a card game table. Have, do everyone have fun, but this is a role-playing game convention, and that brings a certain type of people, which brings a certain environment to it. The other real big thing, what was different about a catacon is how the, the I, I believe, how the VIPs were treated and how the special guests were treated, in that we had a, we did have a large ratio of VIPs to guests, and as the con grows, obviously that ratio cannot stay the same, but it's not like I want to go meet, you know, Keith Baker and I go to Gen Con. Well, what's Keith Baker doing at Gen Con? Does anyone have a Keith Baker schedule? Mm-hmm. No. At a Catacon, here are all of the games he's running because the only thing to do here is to run games. So here is everything that he's doing. Oh, is he in some secret VIP room somewhere? Is he in the guest only room? No. He's on the, the floor at table four. And that's where he is. Everyone is on an even playing field. Everyone is very inclusive. There are so many events because, you know, you have, I mean, Robert Shaw must have ran, I mean, ran three at, games a day every day or something like that. He ran in every slot except for our VIP get-together, which was like a two-hour thing. Yep. I, I mean, and a lot of them, I, I think he probably, I would guess, got the record of the most because he's the one guy I didn't get an interview because he was so busy. But uh, Yeah, and he actually, often his tables filled up 
over capacity. Like he yep. had seven and eight players when he was only supposed to have six because people wanted to play and he wouldn't say no. Yep. Um, you know, it, it's the, the VIPs were there to interact with role players and they were there to do that. And that gave a very inclusive feel to the entire environment. If you were to set up a, okay, this is a bigger venue. So we're going to have all the general tables here and VIP tickets get to go to the VIP tables throughout the con. You just destroyed that. Um, that's one of the big things. Um, I wasn't, was anyone here at John Wick's, um, seminar that he did? Brent yeah, was. I went. You, you went. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but the way he did that seminar, now essentially it was because of technology, but I think, or I should be say because of a lack of resources, he sat you all around a table and did the seminar. Is that right? Yeah, we were around a table just like this, you know, round instead of square, but. <laughs> what other convention did you get to sit at a table with the guy who created Legend of Five Rings, the guy who created Seventh Sea, the guy who created 30 other RPGs, and not sit in a room full of a whole bunch of people and get talked at, but to have him sit down at a table and to talk with him. That feel, to me, is what a catacon is, and that can be scaled up with a catacon. Those are the couple things to me that go, this is what's unique. If that feel remains the same, a catacon will remain its you know special little utopia. I love the setting of that building, but you can bring that feel to any setting that you want. I, I got something to kind of go with that, just kind of like that feeling of closeness with all these people, which I was almost kind of looking forward for you to do, Mike, is that in the beginning of the convention, have like you and Caleb and these special guests kind of address the community and bring them in saying like, hey, thanks for coming out. This is who we are. And, you know, as people introduce themselves, then they can go walk out on the floor and people be like, you know, then go interact with these people. And I think it just would be nice to kind of create that, like, family environment or, like, that togetherness environment of introducing yourselves and uh, introducing. That's part of Thursday night um, meet and greet night. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. exactly. <laughs> uh, I, I completely – I, I was going to completely agree with your point. The only way that – I mean, you could – try to find some other events that aren't RPG related to kind of mix people together. Or even if you were going to start like maybe twice during a day, wait for the majority of the, of the room or the hall to fill up and play just some kind of odd game for five minutes with everybody there in attendance that just kind of gets people talking and kind of in the mood. I mean, it doesn't have to be anything important. Doesn't you could, it could be for a prize. It could not be for a prize, but just something in general that doesn't have hardly any instructions. Just, it could be 20 questions or something like that, you know? Um, and then the other thing is when you listen to a podcast for long enough and I'm guilty of this, and I imagine a lot of our listeners are, you start to feel like, you know, the people that you're listening to. And I think the fact that all of our, all the faculty, wanted to run enough games and the fact that we were highly visible from space uh, <laughs> because of our shirts. Um, but the that fact, <laughs> but, but the fact that we were there uh, visible running games with everybody and you know, it's not like we were bogged down with a bunch of schedules. We didn't have, you know, uh, uh, we weren't paying attention to, we had to be here for this or there for that kind of thing. And we were accessible. I think that our listeners probably feel like they know part of us and it's nice to be able to meet these people and talk with them and be so open and available to them that it that's i think a good portion of the of of the feeling because <laughs> right off the bat the first hour i think i had two or three people on on friday afternoon as i was checking them in so hey, i recognize your your twitter handle from the podcast and everything and for me that was personally a great feeling because I'm 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 a nobody, but I mean just to we're, we're all nobody. Well, I, yeah. I mean, really, you're tank. Well, I I know a tank. And, and now moose. Yeah, and now, and now moose and moose. a couple other names, but and, but to get that feeling, it's it's it is nice to be you know one appreciated and two know that what you're doing is getting out there and and it's having an an impact on. It's, it's one of the things, and again, and not not to count, uh, contradict what you're saying, but I actually found that the majority of people that were coming weren't podcast listeners i found that the, the majority of the people that are there I mean, there were exceptions of course but most people that were friends of other friends or, or even twitter more than anything else or james and cat obviously that was a big draw a lot of people came because they mentioned it and uh, that's one of the things that that kind of surprised me is that that a catacon was such an a catacon even though we didn't have that many listeners that attended uh, we, I think that will continue to grow and hopefully people listen, will now start listening to us, uh, because of the show as well. But that, that's one of the things that I thought was a little bit interesting is that it didn't seem like our actual audience 
made up that much of the tenants, which I guess doesn't make sense. I mean, we are in the middle of BFE, <laughs> Ohio. You know, we have <laughs> listeners like, again, Danny and John, God bless you. Come all the way from Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and uh, Eric came in from Arizona. We obviously we had people that traveled. New York City, Georgia, Conne- uh, yeah. we had Connecticut, people from a lot Chicago, of places, yeah. yeah. But the majority of our audience were local. Like the, by far, I'd, I'd say probably 60 or more were people that were close enough. They heard about us somewhere, game store, something, and they drove up. But hopefully as we get bigger and become more of a destination, more and more people will show up. So I don't know. It, again, it's, it's, it's an interesting question, but I, it concerns me. Like, you know, I, I really feel like there will be no, no trouble doubling our size next year. Like, I, I really think 300 people is a reasonable number based off of the additional marketing we're going to do and other things that we're going to do to make this more well-known. But I don't want it to not feel like a catacomb. Like, that's, that's super important to me that it has to be. And I agree with you, Jim. I think it is an RPG podcast first or show first. But our own motto is, you know, inclusiveness. So I want people who do play board games to feel comfortable coming. I don't want them to feel like second-class citizens. Someone who's never played anything before, I want them to feel comfortable coming too. I've had, I, um, we had a couple people that uh, came, you know, Trisha was one of them, where she had dabbled in role-playing games before, but this was the first time where she was like, she could not stop talking about how much fun she had because, you know, Trisha's been um, – you know, playing the games that we've played and, and all the role playing games that, you know, she's, this is the first time that she kind of, I think, like, got to experience all these different new ones. And so that's all she rants about was the experience of, of just meeting these new people and, meet and, and playing new games. Yeah. So it's, it's a good problem to have, though. It's like, are we getting too big? Right. Is this, right. this going to get too big? I it's a good problem to I have. I haven't sold any tickets yet. I, <laughs> I think I can get to three. I'll buy one people. right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, I had people that, again, as they left, and I, I don't want to you know, oversell, but we had so many people tell us, I absolutely will be, will be back next year. I will absolutely bring other people with oh, me yeah. next year, which is why I feel so confident that we can easily get to 300 people. I think it will be, take us longer to get from like 300 to 500 than it's going to get to, to 300. Because then at that point, we've probably exhausted our regional, and we're going to have to start getting people as this is a destination. They're going to come from mm-hmm. other places. And again, I don't know that we are going to be able to deliver the same level of special guests that we did this year. I'm going to try. I'm going to, you know, again, I have no shame. I'll ask anybody anything. And uh, there were people that were on our short list who didn't make it. And various reasons why, but, you know, uh, there were people that I'm hoping will make it next year. And, and we'll go from there. So, again, we could probably talk for seven hours and continue yeah. talking about how awesome it was. You guys should have been there. Hopefully you'll come next year. Yeah. But so I guess any final thoughts, good, bad, just anything you want to talk about for, for final thoughts. I'll go the other way this time, so I'll start with Ryan. Not to jump too soon, but can we have it again, like next week? I mean, really, I like now, now, y- yeah. Just now. I mean, right now. Brad and I'll I had a, had a short exchange about this, but like we were ready for it next week. I mean, we, I'm, I can't survive. I, I wasn't even. I, to be honest, I wasn't. I was only there for half of it, uh, just because of uh, you know in real life schedules and and things. But um, I had the time I was there. I had a blast from meeting people that listen, people that don't listen people's experiences, you know, finding out what people are actually there for. We had, I think I I saw a young girl that was maybe 10 or 12 years old playing with parents to a guy that had been doing it for, as a player, in 30 years. I mean, just the overall excitement and, and things um, definitely will want me to make, uh, but I'm losing. Uh, I definitely want to be able to help and continue to help any way I can. And I'm, I'm glad that uh, of all things to be lucky enough to find a while ago that I found this and that it, it's gotten to this point because uh, this year's Academy was fantastic. And uh, hopefully I'm around for a long time to, to continue to do. Well, I will continue to use you as long as you will let me use you. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Cause I enjoy it. Cause we're having fun. I'm your tiny dancer. Uh, I just want to say that CatCon was an absolutely phenomenal experience, and I'm so happy I went. I also want to say congratulations to you and Caleb, because I think you guys really hit the mark of embodying the whole spirit of the RPG Academy of if you're having fun, you're doing it right. And there's so many people doing it right. Yeah, I mean, like you said, we go on forever talking about this, Um, but it was it was probably one of the best cons I've ever been to most definitely better than this past year's gen con for me. And um, I can't wait for next time. Um, It's just, it's nice to know what to expect because I had no idea what to expect when Jim's like, Hey, we're, we're, putting on a con and i'm like no you're not what 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 you know you guys can't do that and it's like oh shit you can you absolutely can <laughs> so now that it's like it's 
now that I know what to expect and like, I, I want to get so many more people involved. I want to get, you know, I want to get more sponsors. I want to get people who sell games to like donate stuff. I want to, you know, all my friends when they, when they're like, Oh, why were you off all weekend? It's like, Oh, I, I went to this con and it was a RPG con. And they're like, Oh, how do I get tickets? And I'm like, it's over. Sorry. You can't get tickets. So it's like one of those things where I want it to happen so soon because I want to do so much more for it. So yeah. So I just can't wait for the next one. And I'm the same way that like, like we we had talked about, and I know I'm jumping in here, but we had talked about like once the catacomb was over, we have so many other little projects that Caleb and I have basically just set aside. Like we just can't get a catacomb done and do all the mm -hmm. other things. And and I will credit him as well as the entire faculty that's here and 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 not. We put in a lot of work. Oh, yeah. I mean, a ridiculous <laughs> amount of work, and it paid off. Yep. But we cannot put in that much work again. We have got oh, to work yeah. smarter and not harder. Yeah. And we we have we refined so many processes. It will be easier going forward, even though we get bigger. But it, I want to capitalize on that excitement. Like, I, cause so many people said, I want to come back. I want to do it again. Part of me wants, like, I'm already working on next year, even oh, though yeah. I said I wasn't going to, because I'm so excited. I like, I'm saying, I don't want to wait a, a year, but I couldn't survive doing it twice. Yeah. But yeah, absolutely. I, I want to capitalize on that energy because I'm afraid people will forget. There's a, there's a part of me that's like, we're going to start over next year when we start selling tickets again, rather than people like w waiting for that time. Mm -hmm. Anyways. Yeah, the one thing is that I I um I was talking to Jim about like tickets being accessible because it was like, hey, I've got these friends that are interest, interested what they do. And it's like, oh, we have to tell them to, you know, PayPal you and, and do that stuff. So I think if I, I feel like if there was an easier way to buy tickets, it's like, oh, just go to, you know, www.rpgacademy.com and buy your tickets there and sign up for games there. And, you know, you said you're, you know, LLC now and that's, you know, amazing. So, um yeah, we've got to make it you know, easier to everybody to come because there was so much excitement, even just people who didn't get to go. There was yeah. my friends that didn't get to come and they knew this was going on and they're like, you know, I'm so sorry I missed it. And we did have to turn people yeah. away. Like we, we technically sold out, even though we had a little bit of room left. Yeah. We were concerned that we would be too full. So we yeah. had to turn people away. And that's one of the big decisions that Caleb and I are still working through. Uh, I personally thought Kickstarter was great for us. I think we got money that we wouldn't have got any other way from donations. But it added a lot of complexity to that, mm -hmm. that once tickets were, were sold uh, through Kickstarter, we were done. So then if we had people who want to buy a ticket, we had to go through PayPal, which we don't lose anything on PayPal. So we actually make more money because we don't lose the 10%. But then you have half or like 90% of the people bought through Kickstarter, which allowed us to use backer surveys to get information. And then I had like 12 people that use PayPal and I had to remember to email them separately. Mm -hmm. We couldn't sell tickets at the door because, again, of our size. If we have a bigger venue, we can do one-day tickets. We can do you know walk, door walk-in tickets. We we couldn't do that because we were afraid we'd oversell. So having a bigger venue, even though it does suck, <laughs> it solves a lot of yep. our problems. Yeah, I'm just, right. I'm just glad it happens so that way. You can be like, first time, now we know what we need yep. to work on we did, second time. If, if nothing else, it was a proof of concept. Yep. We, we learned that we can make this work. We, we learned how much, thing how much things cost. We now know how much it will cost us for badges. We know how much it will cost us to, you know, all the different things. Like we had, we brought in people, we paid for their rooms, you know, that kind of stuff. We have numbers now. It's not just theoretical. So as we scale it's up. tangible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, we can say, okay, we, it costs us this much money to put on a con for this many people. We have numbers. We can go, okay, if we want to get to 500 people, that's our goal. How much money do we need to raise? You know, and and, and I'm, I'm sorry, Jim, I'll let you go in a second, but like we're going to send surveys out. So all the people who came, you're going to get a survey soon with some post-con. We want your feedback as well. We've, we've self-analyzed and we've, we've made some decisions on what we think will improve, but there may be something we're not asking. There may be something we're not thinking about. But the number one thing I want to hear from you guys who are thinking about coming or, or I should say who came is did you get a value? The, the main ticket was $35. VIP ticket was 75 And then we had, we had various sponsorship opportunities. Did you get a value for your ticket? Because our goal is we don't really want to raise ticket prices. You know, we, we joked about, you know, keeping it low and just raising ticket prices to $1,000 or something stupid. That's not feasible, obviously. But but was $35 a good value for what you got? If we had to raise it to 40 to help pay for things because we have a bigger venue, is that reasonable? You know, do we want to do GMs get, pay nothing for their tickets? Because if we want to do that, we couldn't do that this year. We might be able to do that, you know. How, how do we find out a way to make this a viable business model and provide what we want to provide? So those are going to be some, some questions we're going to send back to you guys who came. All right. So Jim, bring us home. <laughs> I'll stop talking now. 
Okay. Um. Yeah. I just uh, let me make one one slight correction because Emily, you, you said that I I was involved in the planning of this thing, and I most certainly was not. This yeah, I said I said you said your friends are putting on con. Okay. Right. Well, right. I want to make that that distinction because uh, Michael and Caleb and all of the 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 true faculty of the RPG Academy are the ones that are responsible for putting on you know the event that was a catacon that we all know you know, and for those that are there, will remember it for a lifetime. I mean, you all put on a fantastic fantastic event that was amazing a, a catacon was a moment in time it's it, it wasn't a convention where thousands of people showed up and went yay i did gen con everyone who was at a catacon and, and you just heard it i mean there's six people sitting around this table trying to ar- articulate why this experience was so great and the answer is because it was a sum of Everything that was put into it, it was a sum of everyone who was there. Uh, the, the the true moment for me, I believe, of a catacon was Saturday afternoon. You said it was the busiest day of the con. Um, I had nothing planned for the day. I was going to do interviews because that's what my show is. Uh, and, and one of my interviews got moved around. And I had a big open time slot. I had three hours Nothing planned. I was like, great. I'm going to take one of my, my games, the Terrible RPG, and I'm going to do a pickup game for it. And I surveyed the room. And on the busiest day of the con, I could not find one other con goer that wasn't doing anything. Every single person was at a table, having fun, rolling die, and just enjoying the experience of a catacon. And I got to sit back for a moment and go, this is the perfect moment for a con. It happened. It was the moment in time. And that is something that I'm looking so forward to experiencing again next year. Which, again, is what keeps me up at night is, am I going to have a Catacon 2016? And the the sum is, uh, Catacon 16, this was a letdown. <laughs> or, not as good as last year. Or, wah, wah, wah. No. 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 Uh, I don't think we would let that happen. But, again, just thank you all for the kind words. And, and hopefully, if nothing else, in this hour we've been talking, for those of you that weren't there, I don't want you to feel bad you weren't there, but I want you to know that you, you did miss something. You missed something that you we want you to be a part of as we grow and, and as we continue. And we are going to put as much work into next year, smarter, not harder, to make it just as good as this year. Whether we get 12 more people or 150 more people, we are focused on keeping a catacon a catacon, which is from the RPG Academy, which is focused on having fun and just playing games. And, you know, Caleb said it really well at the, at the con, uh, you know, playing games with your friends, old or new. You know, you may not know them when you sit down, but they will be your friends by the time you're done. That's what we're trying to build. And again, once again, thank you to everybody, uh, faculty and, and the network. We had a ton of people, Christopher especially, he did all the layout work for the for the, for the the module that Caleb wrote and for our flyers and for our badges. And like we had, I know you guys aren't part of that, but on the network we have a, a Slack team and we are constantly talking about this kind of stuff and we're getting so much help and feedback and direction and stuff from other people. It's just, it's, it's an amazing thing to be part of that network. I'm so I'm proud of what I'm building from the website and from the network and, and that you guys want to be a part of this and want to, to help me and Caleb make our dreams continue to come true. And I will try not to get teary-eyed, but it, Catacon was a dream come true for me, 100%. And if it does crash and burn and there is never again another Catacon for some terrible reason, you're right. It was a moment. We in all time. died at that Stephen King <laughs> hotel lodge. <laughs> we're, we're all actually ghosts right now. Uh, we are inhabiting the bodies of the vultures that claimed their newest victims. Uh, but Catacon is a memory that I will cherish forever. Hopefully, there will be many, many more. But if that doesn't happen, I, I can be to your question, Jim. If it all ends today, I'm satisfied with how a Catacon turned out. So for everyone at the table, Jim, Emily, Brad, uh, Travis, and Ryan, this is Michael. And thank you, and hopefully you listen to this entire episode. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you guys very much. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy Network. If you enjoy what we do here, then please check out therpgacademy.com and visit our site partners for additional entertainment and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize. But we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash Academy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. 
We use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the drive-thru RPG site through our portal, we get a small percentage of what you pay, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like any RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at therpgacademy.com and reach us on social media, such as Facebook and Google Plus at the RPG Academy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, the Caleb G, at the Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at the RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.